Hello and welcome to English in Your Face, a podcast for the intermediate and advanced English student. My name is Peter Mangiuracina, and today's podcast is about commas, the comma crisis. I have just finished correcting about eight medical articles. I do medical translations from time to time and also check the English before publication in American and European journals in English. The two most common mistakes when I do corrections are the misuse of the definite article and the overuse of commas. The last time we talked about articles and how to use them, so today I'm going to talk about when you should use a comma. So here's rule number one. Everyone should know this one, and I don't really see many problems with it. You use a comma to separate items in a list. For example, I bought milk, comma, eggs, comma, and cheese at the supermarket Saturday morning. Now that last comma before and is called the Oxford comma. Although many people believe that this comma is optional, I prefer to use it because it can make a sentence unclear if you don't. Here's an example of an unclear sentence. They invited two prostitutes, comma, Winston Churchill and Ernest Hemingway, to the bachelor party. Now, if you write it like that without the Oxford comma, the reader might think the names of the two prostitutes are Winston Churchill and Ernest Hemingway. But if you write the sentence like this, they invited two prostitutes, comma, Winston Churchill, comma, and Ernest Hemingway to the bachelor party, then there is no confusion that they invited four people, not two prostitutes with wildly unsexy names. Get into the habit of using that Oxford comma and avoid embarrassment. Rule number two. Use a comma when you are beginning another independent clause beginning with a coordinating conjunction such as and, but, for, or, nor, so, and yet. For example, I woke up too early today, comma, and I don't know why. Here's another one. The museum was closed, comma, so we couldn't get in. Now we talked about independent clauses in an earlier podcast. An independent clause has a subject and a conjugated verb, and it stands alone as a sentence. I woke up too early is an independent clause, and therefore a sentence. I don't know why is an independent clause, and therefore a sentence. So we need the commas to separate these two clauses when we use a coordinating conjunction to make it clear they are two separate ideas. But if we take away the second subject, in I woke up early today and I don't know why, and make it I woke up early and don't know why, you don't need the comma. I woke up early and don't know why. Now, here's rule number three. We use a comma when we introduce a sentence with a dependent clause. Now remember that a dependent clause needs to be attached to an independent clause because it doesn't make sense on its own. A dependent clause would be something like, when I get home. 
Now that needs to be attached to an independent clause, also called a main clause. I drink a beer when I get home. If written like that, you don't need the comma. But if you put the dependent clause first, you do need the comma. When I get home, comma, I drink a beer. Rule number four, we use commas after introductory words, adverbs, and phrases, such as unfortunately, finally, however, nevertheless, at first, surprisingly, or unsurprisingly. Unfortunately, comma, he didn't have enough money to buy his wife an anniversary gift. I got the job I wanted, period. However, comma, the salary is much less than I expected. Now, many writers argue against using however to begin a sentence, but according to many authorities that I trust, it's just fine. The alternative would be to use a semicolon before however and a comma after it. I got the job I wanted, semicolon. However, comma, the salary is a lot less than I expected. Rule number five, use commas to offset a positives. A positives are like definitions or more information about a noun that was just mentioned in the sentence. For example, all the soldiers looked up to George Washington, comma, general of the colonial army. If the appositives comes in the middle of the sentence, you need commas on both sides. DNA, comma, the master molecule of life, comma, is composed of two chains forming a double helix. Non-essential relative clauses also take commas before and after. Bob, comma, who just got married, comma, is taking his honeymoon in Hawaii. This piece of information, who just got married, is not essential to a full understanding of the sentence. But in the case of information that is essential, don't put commas. Here are some examples. The man to whom I spoke yesterday lives somewhere in Valladolid. And this is a formal construction. Or you could say, the man I spoke to yesterday lives somewhere in Valladolid. This is the informal way and much more conversational and common in English. Another example. The professor who teaches chemistry at UCLA has published several books. And the company that makes those small cars went out of business. Now in these cases with an essential relative clause, which means it's essential to the understanding of the sentence, you need the relative clause to clarify, so no commas. I talked about relative clauses in a previous podcast. Rule number six, use a comma before you quote someone. Bob said, comma, quote, I never go to bed before 1 a.m., period, unquote. Note that the period goes inside the quotes, not outside. 
Use a comma inside the quotes if you break up what someone said with an attribution. Quote, one of the most incredible feelings, comma, unquote, said Bob, comma, quote, is jumping out of an airplane, period, unquote. So here's rule number seven. Use a comma to separate the different parts of an address and between the city and the state or province, but no comma before the zip code. For example, I work at 215 Anchor Street, comma, Bangor, comma, Maine, 04401. Detroit, comma, Michigan became famous as the home of the American automobile. Rule number eight. Use a comma to separate the elements of a date and also the date from the rest of the sentence. Wednesday, comma, March 25th, comma, 1976, comma, was the day my son was born. That comma after the year 1976 seems a little strange to me considering that the entire date is the subject of a sentence and you're not supposed to separate a subject and a verb with a comma, but that's what some authorities say to do. I don't do it. Nobody's ever corrected me for doing it or for not doing it. Now, if it's just the day or just the month or the month and the day or the month and the year, then there's no comma. Wednesday was a day to forget, no comma. March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. Or January 23rd was supposed to be a boring day. November 18th started out fine, comma, but then the strangest thing happened. That makes a lot more sense to me. Putting the comma after a full date when that entire date is the subject of the sentence sounds a little strange, like I said, but you can do what you want. See who corrects you. I won't. Okay, rule number nine, use a comma when you begin a sentence with a freestanding yes or no. Yes, comma, I'll be there on time, period. I promise, period. No, comma, you can't open another bottle of wine. I've also seen people writing yes with a period. I'm not so sure that's correct. I think this is the way to go with a comma after yes or no. Rule number 10. Use a comma when you address someone in a sentence. For example, Peter, comma, would you get the door, please? Or, I don't think you should go outside without an umbrella, comma, Mary. It's not a good idea, comma, Ellen, comma, to invest all your money in one company. I'm sure you can appreciate the difference between stop calling Christina, without the comma, and stop calling, comma, Christina. Rule number 12. Use a comma when you use more than one adjective to describe a noun. There was a big, comma, red heart painted on her bedroom wall. Or the water park was wet, comma, wild, comma, and loads of fun for the whole family. Now be careful with this one. If the last adjective collocates with the following noun, 
For example, April rain or cell tower. And by collocate, I mean adjectives that normally appear with the nouns that follow them, then don't put a comma between the adjective that goes with that noun. For example, the truck had a big comma diesel engine, or it was one of those long comma winter nights. No comma after diesel, no comma after winter. Rule number 13. This is not really about grammar, just a curious difference between how Americans and some Europeans represent numbers. I live in Spain, so they write four or more digit numbers with a period or a point. For example, 1000 is written in Spanish as 1.000, but that's not the American way, my Spanish friends. We use commas, not points, to separate numbers. 1,750,221 is written as 1,750,221. And 2,968 is written as 2,968. What is also interesting is the way Spanish people, and I imagine other Europeans, write decimals. You know, like 2.5, 2.5. Spanish people write them with commas. I don't know how many times I've had to clean up that error while correcting the English manuscript of a translation. Periods, not commas, for decimals. And commas, not periods, for numbers. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed my podcast. If you have any questions about grammar that you would like me to feature in one of my podcasts, send an email to claudius at snakebite.com. That's C-L-A-U-D-I-U-S at S-N-A-K-E-B-I-T-E dot com. And put podcast question in the subject line. Also visit my website, petermandaracina.com, for more materials on English grammar. Thanks for listening. This has been episode 12 of English in Your Face. I'm Peter Mandaracina, and I'm out of here.